0: Um, it's Psalms 121, we'll read the whole chapter, it's just eight verses here. Very familiar scripture, um, but I think it's very relevant to the lives that we live, the world that we live in, the things that we come across, and it seems like just to have conversations with anybody and everybody, in the store or, or you know, you're going through wherever, drive through line, people say, hey, I've got stuff going on, right? You come to church, stuff's going on. You go to work, there's, there's things going on, and, and we've all got things going on. Amen. And that's what we're going to talk about with uh, Psalms 121. But I want us to talk about and think about where are you looking? Where are you looking? Um, for life and the things that are going on, where are you looking? We'll get into why that what that is about here in just a minute. But Psalms 121 reads like this. It says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither sleep, or not shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He will preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even. Forevermore. So that's the Psalms 121. That's the whole chapter there. But let's start, I want to start by talk, stop talking about stuff, right? We've all got stuff going on. I mean, that's just the reality. If we if you live a life, if you have do any kind of if you've got a house, if you got a car, if you've got a family, if you've got a job, if you've got people in your life, in laws, outlaws, whatever it may be, you've got stuff going on. Right? Whether it be you've got health issues that you're trying to struggle and wrestle with. You've got family problems that are coming up. The car's breaking down again. There's troubles there. You've got this and that happening. You've got family that are hurt and family that are going through bad times. You've got things going on at your work and the boss is saying this and, the, and another one's doing that and there's just fighting and quarreling and everything. You've got personal issues you're struggling with. Things that are just hard for you to get a hold of, get a grasp of. You've got stuff going on. Amen. And if I went through and we just sat down one-on-one and I began to write it out, you know, each and every one of us would have different things. It would be very varied. It would have all kinds of different areas of life. Some would be doing good in one place. Others got stuff in another place. Some things that, that people never even dreamed of. Some of you all are going through. You've got stuff going on. We all have stuff going on. That's not something new, right? We look into Scripture. We look at the Bible. We look at what's going on with each and every one of the disciples, the apostles, the ones that, are, that came before uh, Jacob, Abraham, and Isaac, all of them. They had stuff going on in their lives as well. Even Jesus, while, as He walked upon this earth, faced stuff. The Bible says He went into the desert and He faced stuff. He went through temptations and trials, right? He faced stuff. He went against the Sadducees and the Pharisees, people who didn't like him. He, he faced stuff. He went to the cross. He faced stuff. We all have stuff. Each and every one of us came in today with a bag full of stuff. Yeah. With our shoulders burdened down with stuff. With our hearts grieved by stuff. With our knees blistered and, and bruised from being and crying out to God. A, lo- a lot with stuff. Our, 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 te- our, our face streaking with tears because we've got stuff. We've all got stuff. Amen. And, and that's the reality. right? I'm not going to come in here and I'm not going to be the... The person who comes into church and the pastor that comes in church says that that if you, you live the perfect life and everything goes great and, and you're doing right and you're, you're appeasing to God and you tithe enough, you go to church enough, you do all this, you do all that, do it right, you don't have stuff. The best of people have stuff. Billy Graham had stuff. Mother Teresa had stuff. All these good people that people idolize and look at as religious zealots and figures that, that we should build our lives upon, they had stuff. They had stuff. We all have have stuff. Yeah, bless you, Lord. And I could go on and on, and we could just talk for hours about about stuff. I'd go on and on, and tell you about my stuff. I can mean, just go into great detail about what I faced in the past, what I'm facing currently, what I fear that I will face in the future, and I can tell you about my stuff. And we all can go through and give testimonies and, and about our stuff. But we we get that, right? We know that we have stuff, but Where do we look when stuff happens? Where do we go to when stuff happens? What do we fall back on when stuff happens? Where are we looking when stuff is going on in our life? Stuff that nobody else knows about. Stuff that nobody else understands. Where do we look? Before we talk about where we can look, I want to look at a few places that we we shouldn't look. Right? There's a few places that I feel like we tend to, as Christians, not just as Christians, as human beings, tend to fall back and we look at these places first before we look where we should be be looking. Man, first I want to say that we don't need to be looking to ourselves for the problems to our stuff. Right? Now this idea, this belief isn't new, it's been around forever, but it's gained in popularity here recently. This idea of a higher self. This belief that basically we ourselves are divine and are godlike, right? We don't see it a lot around here, but it's, it's something that has been pervading our society more and more. That you can be good enough on your own, that you can elevate yourself to a place where you can take care of your issues, you can take care of your problems, you can fix yourself. Right? There's books and self-help things, how you can fix yourself, how you can take care of your issues, how you can make things right, how you can make things better, and all these things. And we look and we see it and we see people talk about it and we see people all around us talking about you can do better, how you can do better, how you can fix yourself. But that's not always going to, to work. Usually it, it actually doesn't. But we see that the self, our self, this belief that self is more important than anything else has grown more and more and has greater and greater importance in our society, right? To the point where our where self's beliefs, self's preferences, self's ideas, what the self's truth is, is more important than Scripture or anything else in the world because self is elevated over than anything else, right? But that's not what Scripture, what scripture teaches us. Job says in Job 14.1, he says, A man born of a woman, and what? few days full of troubles. So is self the one that I should be going to to fix my problems? No, it really shouldn't be. Because the honest reality is, is that more often than not, I'm more of the cause for my stuff than I am the solution. For my stuff. Amen? More often than not, I'm the one who's making the problem. So why, how, I'm not, how am I expect myself to fix the problem? I'm the one who's causing the mess. How can I be the one that, that cleans it up, right? Harper spills something in, in the restaurant. Guess who's cleaning it up? Mommy and Daddy. Not Harper. Because she can't help herself. We ourselves, we make messes. And we make mistakes. we come up short. And we do things wrong. And we cause issues in our lives that we would never have dreamed of, right? Consequences that last for years and years because of the things that we've done in the past. And we are in this mess. Because of who? A lot of times because of ourselves, right? Because of the decisions we made, the choices we made, the roads we went down, the actions that we've had towards ourselves, towards other people. And we look and it's like, I've done this. If we're honest, we look and it's like, myself, has done this. And a lot of times we go back to the well, right? We double up. We say, well, if I, if I, I can get myself out of this. We usually make the mess bigger. We just continue to expound upon it and make it worse and worse because we keep on thinking, I can do this. I can do this. The little book, I loved it growing up. The little engine that could, right? Short story, little engine, right? Give a job that only a big engine should have done. And they always they, said he could do it. And he's like, I think I can do it, right? I think I can do it. So he goes to go up the hill and he's like, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Judge, 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 right? Good story for, for little kids if you've never read it. But it's not a good mentality for mature Christians to have. But sadly, there are a lot of Christians that are living their life in church that have a relationship with God but are constantly saying, I think I can do this. I think I can do this. I think I can do this. I think I can fix my issues. I think I can fix my problem. I think I can overcome my addiction. I think I can fix what's going on. I think I can do this, and I think I can do that, and I think, and I think, and I think, and our thinking has got us in a lot of trouble sometimes. Instead of saying, I think I can do this, we should be singing, I know He can. Because there's a lot of things that I might think I can do when it comes to the end of it, I realize I couldn't have done it in the first place. But if it wasn't for Jesus Christ inserting himself in a situation, I would have fallen flat on my face. But he said, child, you tried something you shouldn't have been trying, but let me help you through this, right? Not that I think I can, it's I know that he can. Looking to myself is just going to lead in circles, right back to the place I was at in the first place, because I am am tending to do the same thing over and over again, just in different situations and different fashions and different forms. When I just go and look to myself when I've got stuff going on. Yeah. Well, I've when I've got stuff that's happening in my life and I say, oh, self, what are you going to do? Oh, Jacob, how are you going to get through this? Oh, Jacob, how are you going to fix this? I've talked about it before. Men have this problem a lot. Women do too. But men have this problem a lot of and they have to fix something. They have to make something work. It don't matter what's going on, how high the waters get, how many pieces are missing. Men have to make it work. And there's women that fall in that category too. But I can speak from the male's perspective. We have to make things work in ourselves sometimes or we will die trying. And there are too many Christians that are living a life, that have a relationship with Christ, have access to all that He has for us, that will die rather than ask and reach out to God. That's right. Whether do it on their own, work their ministry on their own, talk to people on their own, live their life on their own, raise their family on their own, have their marriage on their own, and it leads to no good. Because all you did was you looked at self and said, what will self do? And self led you astray. And self led you somewhere you didn't need to be. So instead of, I think I can, it should be, I know he can. Don't just t- take the question out of it. Take the variable out of it. I think I might be able to. Well, guess what? There's a good chance I'm not going to. But I know God is going to be able to do it. That takes the variable out of it. And I know I can put it in His hands and trust Him in that. So when we face stuff, don't look to yourself. All right? So if self isn't the answer of how to, to get through stuff, looking the at the situation really, it really isn't either. You know? I'm, I'm not very a big fan of modern art, okay? You'll see things. And, you know, we all fall down this trap. You see it on Yahoo. It says, painting sells for $4 million. And you're like, oh, let's see how this painting looks like, right? And it just looks like somebody sneezed on a piece of, on a piece of poster board, right? And it's like, that sold for millions of dollars. And I'm like, I just don't get it. I don't see it, right? Now, you might be a fan of abstract modern art. That's great for you. Cool beans, whatever, right? I just don't see it. I like to see the little landscapes of what God has made, and I like that stuff, okay? Whoever the guy who painted all the lights and whatnot, you know, the little houses, the cabins that have the little streams running by them out in the mountains, yeah, I like him. That's good. I, I consider that high-quality art. Everybody's got their own taste and preferences, though. But but maybe you're trying to, to look at some abstract or modern piece of art, and some expert comes up and says, you know, Just keep looking at it, keep thinking about it a little bit harder, and eventually, what it's supposed to represent will it'll reveal itself to you, right? Maybe it works. I don't know. Hasn't worked for me. But a lot of times we apply that same mindset to our problems. We say, "Well, if I look at it long enough, maybe I'll figure out what to do with it. If I think about it long enough." Maybe I'll figure out what to do with it. If I dwell on it, if I just become consumed by it, if when I wake in the morning and when I lay my head to rest, it's what I'm thinking about, it's what's going through my head, it's what I plan about, it's what I live for to figure out how to get through this, maybe eventually I'll figure out an answer of what I can do with this situation. But let's be honest. How many times has that worked for us? How many times letting our situation and letting our problem, letting our stuff consume us? How many times did it provide an exit plan? How many times did it provide a way out? How many times did it give us an option of how we can get through this? Hardly ever. Because we just go down the rabbit hole and we keep on thinking about it and being dwelling on it and being consumed by it, and it leads to no good place at all. But let me think about it a little more. Let me think about it a little bit more. Let it just consume me for another day, another week, another year. Maybe something will change. Maybe I'll see something different. Maybe something will be revealed to me and I'll know what to do. And you just spent your life thinking about something. And that never made any kind of difference. And nothing ever was changed by just thinking about it and just being consumed by it and just looking at it forever and ever again and again. Now, this isn't a call to ignore difficult things in our lives, right? This isn't me saying when you've got a difficult time, just to ignore it, to be oblivious to it, act like it's not real. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying don't be consumed by it. Don't be consumed by it. Look at Jesus once again as the example. He knew the cross was coming, right? He wasn't consumed by it, but he didn't ignore it. He talked to his disciples about it, right? He said, don't you know, I want to go die. This is, this is the reality. This is what's going to happen. I know what's, I know my situation. I know the stuff that I'm facing. I'm not ignoring it. I'm not acting like it's not real. And even he got down to Gethsemane's garden. He said, I really don't even want it. I don't like it. But I'm not going to ignore it. So he's not ignoring it, but he wasn't consumed by it. He continued to do it was about his father's will and work while he was cognizant of the reality that this is the stuff that he's dealing with. But this is what the scripture tells us and that we just read. Verse 7 and 8. It says, The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and you're coming in from this time forth. And even forevermore. Right? We look at this word preserve. And the first thing you might think of is jam, but that's not what it's talking about. Okay? So i not talking about those preserves. It's talking about that He will keep us. Not keep us from it. People get that mistaken sometimes. Not to keep you from it, to avoid it, to not have to deal with it, but to keep you through it. Right? Right? Let's let's do talk about preserves. What is a preserve? It's something that you put a lid on and you seal it, and you don't keep it away from everything. If you're going to do that, there would be no need to preserve it. It keeps it through the seasons. And it keeps it through the weather. And it keeps it through the times when you have months, so that when you get to the end and you need it, it's it's there. What he's saying is your situation is going to be there. And no matter how much you think about it, and no matter how long you stare at it, some situations that's not going to change it. In some situations that's just the reality of how it is. What he is saying, he says, I will keep you through it. And eventually, I will deliver you from it, whether in this life or in heaven, where perfection is all that we will know. But He says, I will keep you through it. He says, I won't let evil destroy you. I won't let evil take what I have created within you. I will not let evil tear down that which I have planted within your heart, that which has sprung forth and given life. I will not let evil take that away from you. That is preserved. That is kept. That is safe." Your situation cannot have any kind of effect on that. This is the reality. So yes, you can think all you want to. You can think all you want to about your situation and it not change anything. But instead, why not spend time thinking about that which God has preserved within you? Yes, my situation's bad, but I've got a home in heaven. Amen. Yes, this, this stuff is rough right now, but there's an eternal rest for those that believe and have served Him. Yes, this stuff, it's getting pretty bad right now in the world that I live in, in the life that I live in, in, my family, in my home, with my children, with whatever. But I have eternal peace knowing that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and that will be kept and preserved from eternity till eternity until God comes to take me home. That is what we can look at. Amen. Is that which is kept. Not that which is just there and just present right now. It might go on and on, but it does come to an end. But that which God has kept never comes to an end. That which God has preserved will never go bad, will never run dry, will never come up empty, will never be undone because it is preserved and kept by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So when you're looking for something, when you're going through stuff, don't look at the stuff. Look at what's being kept through the stuff. Amen? So you don't look at yourself because that just leads to problems. Don't look at your stuff because that doesn't change anything. And we sure don't need to look at the world. Right. Right? The psalmist here in verse 1, he talks about a the heel. He says, I lift my eyes up to the I lift my up my eyes to the heels from whence comes my help. He's not saying his help comes from the heels, he's asking that question. Okay? Yeah. We sometimes get that misconstrued, thinking the heels is where the help comes from. No. Why is the heels important to this person? Why are the heels of any relevance to the psalmist? Why does he bring them up, right? Why does he focus on that? Why does the first line of this psalm start with, I look up to the hills, from whence does my help come? Why does it start that way? Biblically, we understand that in Jerusalem, in that whole area, basically, um, that idolaters built what they called high places. That's what Scripture refers to them, as high places, in the deep woods and in the high hills, right? So what he's saying is, I look up to the hills. And no doubt, in some of them he could see stones that were gathered, things that were built, places of worship to pagan gods that were that had been preserved through time, that had stayed there. Maybe they weren't even being used, but were still there, hadn't been torn down, hadn't been you know upseated yet. And he says, "I look to all these other auctions that other people have went to throughout time for help when stuff happened." He says, where does my help come from? Let's let's modernize that. Okay? Because we don't... I don't know of any hills around here with pagan sites of worship on them. Right? There might be. I don't know. We live in a crazy world. But I don't know of them. But there is a very clear parallel in our society today. I look at Facebook and Instagram. I look at the movie screen. I look at the seats of power in different places in our world, from whence does my help come? By the psalmist's definition, he's saying it doesn't come from those places. Right. We can't look to the world where other people may look for assistance, they may look for help, and may look for guidance, they may look for leadership, and count on the world's definition of what is good or what is right or where we should go, and be that our defining factor, because that leads us where? It leads us where the world is going. So when I'm looking for what I need to do to get through stuff, I don't need to look to the world because my help doesn't come from the world. I don't need to look to the options that other people may take up, that other people may follow, that other people may prioritize or think are important. I don't need to look to what some celebrity says about how they changed their life. Because guess what? If it's not Jesus, their life's not really changed. It's just momentarily altered. They're still lost, dying, going to hell. I can't look to some politician. I can't look to some book. I can't look to some this or that and say, what will the world have me do? Because the world would have me to follow in sin. But I should look and see what would Jesus do. Have me do. Right. Amen. You look at the world, and guess what? You're going to be like the world. world. There might be some good people that say good things within the world. Right? I'm not saying that everything every person in the world says is evil and awful and mean spirited. There's a lot of good people that don't know Jesus that are going to hell. But I can be confident that when I look to Jesus, if I look to his word, his guidance, that it will tell me what I can and should do to get me through stuff in an effective way. Right? So I can't look at self. Because that doesn't mean anything very good. I can't look at my situation to get through my stuff. I don't need to look at the world because that's not going to help me get closer to Jesus. That's not going to help me get through stuff. And the answer that we need is to look to to the one. Right, This scripture in Luke 21, verses 25 through 28. It says, And there will be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars. And on the earth the stress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with a power and great glory, Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. I'm in no way, shape, or form a prophet. And I will never claim to be. I'm not going to stand here and tell you Jesus Christ is coming tomorrow. I'm not going to tell you He's going to come by the end of the year. I'm not going to tell you He's going to come before some of you pass away. I don't know. But I know He's coming. Right. And the reality is is that we don't need to wait till the day of his return to look to him. If we wait till then, then we're how we any better in the world. Right. If we wait till the end of time and say, Oh, I'll look at Jesus now. The Bible says that when he returns, every knee will bow. Right. And every tongue will profess that he is the Son of God. You ain't gonna be very different then. Right? We all gonna be doing it at that point. We should be looking up, looking to Jesus right now. Amen. When we have the option. When we are given the freedom to make that choice, look to Him. If we're saved, that should be a no-brainer, right? If we claim that Jesus Christ has saved us and redeemed us by His blessed blood and His mercy upon our lives, then we should be looking to Him in all things, right? If you're not saved, I challenge you to be saved so that you could look to Jesus for wisdom and knowledge and guidance to get through all your stuff. But we need to look to the One who has seen it all, who understands and knows everything, that sees the secrets of my life, the secret stuff that I don't tell other people about. He sees that stuff. He understands that stuff. He gets that stuff. So I can take Him that stuff. And he's not going to be surprised by it. He won't even be upset about it. He gets disappointed when we sin. I get that. He says, I would do not sin my little children. Or if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. He doesn't want that for us, but I can bring him my stuff and know that he's going to help me get through my stuff. Man, we, we understand that. Like I said, this morning my what we watch, what we look at, we will in some way, intentionally or unintentionally, will mirror in some fashion, okay? I'm going to tell on us guitar players for just a second, right? I, I don't really understand how we do it, but we're all watching each other to figure out how to play the guitar, right? I'm watching Gilbert, or Gilbert's watching, and 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 Esty, we're just watching each other. Or Esty, we're just watching each other, right? One watches one, and when one sounds right, it's like, okay, we're all gonna play that note, and then we play another note, and it's all sounds right. When one of us makes a squawky noise, it's like, oh, we don't play that note. We play a different note. We just watch each other. So we can know how to play the other. That's, I mean, I'm sorry, fellas. I just told on you. But that's what I've been doing my whole life, right? When I learned to play the bass, I would watch the pastor at my home church how to play the guitar. When He would change chords. That's when I would change chords because that's the only way I knew how to do it, right? Still not progressed very far from that, okay? Um, but that's how we do it. We watch each other to model each other to do better. That's what we want to do, do better. If you have a child, you see this about every day, Right? I go and I vacuum. And guess what? Harper goes. And She used to didn't have a little vacuum. She would just get whatever, a little stick, and she would go around with me. Like that, and we got our little vacuum, and now she goes and vacuums with us, right? Hits the little button, she goes to town. She mirrors what she sees. So if I am to know how to get through stuff, then look at how Jesus got through stuff. If I want to be appeasing and and, and pleasing to God as I try to follow Him and to walk in His footsteps and be the man that He wants me to be, then I should look at Him in all things so that I can mirror Him, that I can be like Him, that I can be more like Him day in and day out and He can teach me how to get through my stuff. Because if I look at myself, I'm going to do what self has always done. Now if I look at my situation, I'm basically going to get bad and distressed and upset like my situation is. And if I look at the world, I'm going to be what the world is like. So if I want to be like Jesus, then guess what? I need to look at Jesus. If I want to get through life in the way that He taught me to get through life, I need to look at Jesus. Don't need to wait till the end of time. Don't need to wait till I get old and crudging and don't have anything else to do. I don't need to wait till I have no better option. I don't need to wait till every other thing that I've tried has failed and comes short. I need to look at him right now and follow him right now and do what he asked me to right now so that he can get me through my stuff. So he can get me through my stuff. I'm going to be honest. This is true. There's a lot of times we went through stuff longer than we needed to because we were twiddling our thumbs doing our own thing when God said, i have got the answer right here if you just look at me. That's right. right? I'd hate to have been in the classroom and the teacher write all the answers down. And I failed because I didn't ever look up. And I was too focused on what I was doing instead of what the teacher was doing. Right? We need to focus more on what the teacher is doing. Look more to what the one that knows everything, the one whose ways and thoughts are higher than our ways and thoughts. Look at him. And instead of twiddling our thumbs trying to do it our way, getting caught up in a situation, never looking up, looking around all at the hills and all the all the different things of the world, what the personalities on Facebook and Instagram are saying or, or what the talking heads on on all the news sources are saying or what this one's saying here and that one's saying here. This celebrity wants us to do and this celebrity says we should do. Say, so look at all that. Look at Jesus. Look to Jesus. Follow Jesus. And He'll get you through your stuff. He'll get you through your stuff. In this life, or in the life to come, I don't know. I, like I said, I ain't going to serve here promise you you do everything right and everything's going to be hunky-dory and famous and fine and nice. And but he'll get you through the stuff, keep you through the stuff, preserve you through the stuff. But the stuff is real. Each and every one of us, the stuff is real. But we should turn to look to... To Jesus. Amen. There's a song. And I couldn't couldn't figure out how to play it and sing it and everything before we came this morning to get it together. Um, but it's Turn Your Eyes to Jesus. Alan Jackson's the one that I know is to sing it, but I'm sure others have sung it um, but the chorus says this. And we'll do it in closing. It says, Turn your eyes towards Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Turn your eyes towards Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And all the things of the earth, guess what's your situation? Your stuff? That's part of the things of this earth. All the things of this earth will go grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Let us turn our eyes to Jesus. Away from the situation. Away from ourself. Away from the world. And look to Jesus in all of our situations. For Him to guide us through our, our stuff. Through our stuff. Man, I I don't know each and everybody's life today. I don't know what you all face. I don't know your stuff. I don't. I might know some things that you've told me, but I'm sure that there's tenfold or twentyfold more that I don't know. Right? Stuff that you carry. Stuff that you brought with you this morning. Stuff that you woke up with this morning, that you've been waking up with for years now, maybe. And this stuff is heavy. And this stuff is, is rough sometimes. This stuff just doesn't seem to be getting any easier. My stuff is what we have, right? We all have our stuff. But I want you to know, you can come and, and look to Jesus. Talk to Him about your stuff. Talk to Him about what you carry, of what your burden is, and what weighs upon you. And say, this is my stuff. And guess what? He already knows, child. He already knows all your stuff. And He knows how He's going to get you through it, too. It's not like you bring it to Him and He says, we got to figure something out now. He's like, you bring it to Him and He says, I've already got a way. Amen. Amen. The Bible tells us that He has already made a way of escape from every temptation that we face. All the stuff that I'm going through. My temptation to doubt. My temptation to throw up my hands. My temptation to to get down and get upset and get mad and angry at God and at the world and everything that's going on around me. My my temptation to, to not be faithful to God. My temptation to do things that I shouldn't do. He's made a way of escape out of all that. And you come and you say, here's my stuff. And He says, here's my plan. You give Him your stuff, He gives you a plan. And He gives you a way out. And He gives you direction. And He gives you hope and peace and comfort. Just give Him your stuff. Just give Him your stuff. So if you have stuff this morning...